Well, today's an important Sunday when we think about our service to God represented in our our commitment, a pledge to support the work of the church in the year ahead. And it's an appropriate Sunday to think about service because Friday was Veterans Day. And so on this Sunday, we want to recognize veterans who are with us. So any folks who are active in one of our military branches or a, a, a former active servant, I want to recognize you. I want to recognize you by the branches you might have served in. So when you stand, just remain standing until we have everybody represented. So let's begin with the Navy. Do we have any sailors or former sailors who are with us? Any Navy members, would you stand? All right, we've got a few. How about the Army? Anybody serve in the Army? Okay, we've got the infantry represented. How about the Air Force? Any Air Force members? Wow, quite a few Air Force folks here. And then how about the Marines? Have we got Marines here? All right, we've got a few Marines. And then any Coast Guard service people who are with us? And then permit me to add, this is not technically a part of Veterans Day, but I also want to recognize those who risk their lives in service to the public good. How about any active members of the police force or those who have served on the police force? Any policemen or women who are here? And then how about any folks who have served in the fire department? Any firemen or firewomen who are with us? All right, let's recognize these folks. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for those who have served our nation and have risked their lives for the good of of all Americans, for representing the values of our country that stand for the good of all people. And now as we give attention to an even higher citizenship, your kingdom, May we hear and respond to your call to serve. For that call goes far and wide to every person you invite into your family to be used of you as a part of your service and work in the world. We pray this in the name of the one who comes first to serve us, Jesus our Lord. Amen. These were popular a few years ago, but if you can see it from the back, do you recognize what I have? What do you call this? A Rubik's Cube. Uh, Named for a Hungarian puzzle master named Erno Rubik. Erno Rubik who invented this. I was never good at these things. You know, it's all jumbled up now as you can tell, and it would probably take me all day to try to get the colors to line up like they're supposed to, and I don't even know that I would do it then. But I found that when I work a Rubik's Cube, if I don't get so fixated on solving the puzzle, (laughs) it doesn't stress me out. In fact, it has an opposite effect. I kind of lose myself in it. I lose myself in the combinations and the colors and where they are and what I might try. And if I just don't worry about solving it, it can be a peaceful exercise. You know, life is like a puzzle. There are just always things not aligned, 
always things that are not coming together like we want, like we need. If only we could get everything to match up the way we would like for them to be. And even if we did, somebody's going to come along and pick it up and mess it up. So it's always going to be a puzzle. But if you can find something within the puzzle that's not just about solving it, because you don't really solve the puzzles of life. You never get it all figured out. It never, it never all comes together just like we want. But if you can find something else in the midst of trying to solve it that brings a peace to it and an understanding of something greater than the puzzles themselves, I believe you begin to figure out what life is all about. That's why we've called this series Love Cubed. We've been looking at the three loves Jesus identified in the two great commandments he offered from the Shema and then another commandment that is from the Torah. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might and your neighbor as yourself. Three loves, love of God, love of neighbor and love of self. It's like a three-dimensional cube Three loves, love cubed. And when you bring that focus of love, love God, love others, love yourself, amidst all of the frustrating puzzles, you have something that brings meaning to life, purpose to life. Something that makes you realize there's, there, there is something greater than than just the puzzles themselves that compose the day-to-day life we live. It's about who we are, what we are. We, We begin to realize that life itself is a wonderful gift, and it's meant to be received, and it's meant to be shared. So I hope you've tried this during this series over three weeks. We've invited people to do three things every day. One was to cultivate intimacy with God every day. You know, if you're gonna do that every day, you really do have to get creative. If you do the same thing every day, you kinda lose steam. You've gotta think of fresh ways to cultivate intimacy. I hope you've gotten creative with that. Susan, my wife, uh, was leading her disciple group that's online. People are all over the country. One of the members is in England. And a member of the group led them in prayer the other day. She said, you know, when we are little and we play ball with somebody, we usually use two hands, we throw the ball, then we open our arms as it gets tossed back to us and we catch. She said, I want us to think about playing ball with God. Let's, let's give God our concerns, our praise, our prayers, she said, but many times when we give the ball to God, we, we walk away. We toss our prayers up and then go on about our business. We don't always stop to let God toss back to us and to think about what do we want to receive. And so she led the group in a, in a time of prayer of giving God their prayers and then opening up their arms. I, you do that. You spend time just waiting. God, what do you want to give me? Oh, you develop wonderful intimacy with God. And then we talked about doing one thing every day to serve others. Now, I know that can become like a checklist thing. I get it. I get it. If you say, okay, every day I need to serve somebody. Who can I serve today? You know, I got to get somebody on my list. Okay, I'm going to go serve that person. I was in the grocery store the other day, 
And I was in a hurry. I was looking for an item. I couldn't find it on the shelf, getting a little frustrated. And this woman beside me said, excuse me, could you help me for a moment? And I said, um, okay, what do you need? I, I can't reach this item on the shelf. Can you help? So I reached the item and I handed it back to her. And I was about to get back to looking for my item. And I said, you know, I want to thank you for inviting me to help you today because I'm a pastor of a church. I've been asking our people every day to do something to serve someone else. And you just helped me check that item off my list today. It was, it was a sheer obligation for me, but I want to say thanks for letting me get that out of the way today. How do you think she would have felt if I really had said that to her? It might feel that way to us, but I promise you, if you do it after day two or three, something in us happens. Something that feels good. Something that's a reward that we kind of say, I want more of that. I want to live my life that way. And then the last one, hardest one for me, do something every day that's good for you. It's just been a busy time for me lately. It's been hard to find time besides going to the gym to work out, to do stuff that really is just about me. But you know, this past week we had a, a, a lunar eclipse. So Susan and I got up early that morning to see it. And with all of the trees around our house, we couldn't see it. So we jumped in the car and we drove until we found an opening. And we saw it. We just parked the car and turned the lights off. And there it was a blood red moon. And we just sat and watched it for a few minutes. And then went home and got the day started coming home that evening if you saw it that same day that evening was this giant harvest moon in the sky I, I pulled in the driveway and started honking the horn for Susan to come out I said get in the car we went back to that same spot where now we could just see this moon and again just marveled at the beauty of creation it is a little thing a little thing but it's like I needed that I needed that You do these loves, and amid all the stuff every day that we carry around inside of us, that we bring home, steals our joy, gets us so frustrated because it's just not coming together, <laughs> we find that we have something that helps us understand this life of ours is a gift. And it is lived so well and so beautifully when we just open ourselves up to receive it and to share it and let that be the focus. So for the next few minutes, I just want to rehearse what we've talked about the last three weeks. These themes are so important. I felt it would be worth on this day after we've completed the series to do the old Walter Cronkite thing and say, now let me tell you what the president just said. Let's remember what we've heard and what's important about them. We started with the love of self, one that's pretty hard, not that easy. And we focused on a passage in First uh, Peter where the apostle talks to the church about being chosen people, about being a royal priesthood. And he used this image of living stones. You are living stones, the apostle said, speaking about the building of the temple. But that's not just an ordinary building. It is the place where the divine presence was believed to abide. In that building, God is present. So when Peter says, you are living stones, 
He's saying God dwells in you. God values you so much. God wants to live in your very person. You have the presence of God within. Oh, that's a powerful thing. It is powerful to see ourselves as having that kind of value. A couple of years ago, I had the great privilege of conducting the funeral of one of our members, George Umamura. George, I think, was 96 or 97 when he passed away. And he and his wife, Jean, always sat halfway back of this section every Sunday when they were able to be in church regularly. George is just this light bulb of a personality like you see in this picture. That is the expression he would have during the whole sermon. Some of you wonder why I was fixated like this for so many years when I preached because he was just beaming looking back at me. He loved to do for other people and serve. So when I met with the family to plan his funeral, imagine how surprised I was to learn it wasn't always like that for George. His family came from Japan probably in the 1920s or so. And when World War II broke out, all Japanese-American families were rounded up and put in internment camps. His family was put in a camp, I believe, in Utah. When he got out of the camp at 18 years old, finishing high school in the camp, for the first time in his life, he became very self-conscious of his appearance, that he looked like the enemy, and he hated the way he looked. He looked like the one that people were afraid of because of the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor, and he was a proud American. He loved his country, but he couldn't help but feel the looks and the stares of other people. And he would look in the mirror and say, God, why do my eyes have to look this way? Why can't I have hair different and different skin color? But there was a group of Quakers who believed that what this country did to Japanese Americans was wrong. And they did something about it. One generous Quaker helped George get a scholarship to a Christian school in Ohio. That's what brought him to the Midwest. He, of course, graduated with a degree, started a career that brought him to Indianapolis where he lived out his life. But it was at that school that he didn't feel judged by people, that he was surrounded through the chapel services and the fellowship of the school with this idea that he was made just the way God wanted him to be made. And God loves him and accepts him, and he should never feel ashamed. Changed his life. You can't give what you have not first received. It's hard to give love and show love when we don't feel lovable. Loving of self is so formative and important and being who God made us to be, and it leads into the second love, love others, love others. And that week, we use this uh, simple statement that we take the value we have to give value to others. We use our value to give value. So when we feel valuable, 
we're better able to give value to others. And that is innate in all of us. We all are born with that desire. I know we can be born with some selfishness too, but we also have a drive inside of us to give value to other people. I discovered this when our daughter Julie, our oldest, was four years old. I was sitting at home, I don't know what I was doing, probably working on a sermon or watching a game, and she walked up to me with a dollar in her hand. And she said, Daddy, I love you. And I looked at her and I said, well, I love you too. She said, here. And you know, I was sort of preoccupied with whatever I was doing. I saw the dollar and I kind of made a joke about it. I said, so is that what you think daddy's worth, a whole dollar? Oh, that, and I kind of laughed, I handed it back to her. A few minutes later, Susan came over to me. She said, what did you say to Julie? said, I didn't say anything to Julie. She said, well, she's in her room crying. What did you do? I said, honest, I didn't do any, I didn't scold her. I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, criticize anything. I, I, I didn't do anything. She said, well, something happened. I said, she came to me. She said she loved me. I told her I love her. She handed me a dollar. I kind of made a joke about it that I'm, I'm only worth a dollar, handed it back. And Susan closed her eyes before she spoke. I always know I'm in trouble when that happens. <laughs> she did the closed eye thing. Then she opened them, and she said, Rob, do you think a four-year-old has an understanding of the value of currency? And I said, she said, that's all she had in her piggy bank. Something inspired her with feeling like she loves you, and she was giving you everything she has. We call that in the profession a miss. (laughs) I miss that. I missed it. And it is so easy to miss the sacred that shows up cloaked in the ordinary. But we don't have any other option. We are human creatures who live in this world And God shows up in this world. But if we don't give attention to the loves, we can miss it. I'm thankful that said daughter, who was mother of our first grandchild, did not lose that instinct. A year and a half ago, when Susan turned 60, She wanted to express her love for her mother, for all that her mother did across her life. She's an executive with Tesla. And she said, I want to give mom a Tesla. So on Susan's 60th birthday, well, let the picture tell you. (laughs) Look at that smile. But do you know who was smiling even bigger? Standing just behind me, my daughter Julie, because she could do that. She could do something that was a massive sacrifice because it feels incredible to be able to give value to other people and let them know how much they matter and and how much they mean to us. And then the last week of this series, we talked about the love of God 
We talked about that last week, the love of God. That's what Jesus was quoting, the greatest of the commandments, the Shema, which means here, hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6 says, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, do you remember the Hebrew word for love? The Hebrew word for love is? Oh, friends, we were doing so well last Sunday. We were doing so well. Ahava. Are you ready? Ahava. All right, remember that for next week when Rabbi Brett is going to be here for our Thanksgiving message, and you don't want to miss next Sunday. We have an incredible Thanksgiving service, and Rabbi Brett from Indianapolis Hebrew Congregation is going to share the message with, with me next week. Ahava, we talked about how it's the combination of three root letters in Hebrew, Aleph, Hey, and Vet. Aleph, Hey, and Vet. And those letters form the root word for give, which is Hav. Ahava. Hav is in the middle of God's love. It just reminds us in such a grammatical fact that you cannot love without giving. And that the, the heart of God, whose nature is to love, means God is also a giver. For God so loved the world that God gave God's Son. And when we think about it, we understand that the hope of our world lives in sacrifice. King David, late in his life, wanted to express thanks to God, wanted to make an offering to God. And he was directed by someone to go to the home of Arona in Jerusalem, which there wasn't a Jerusalem, there was just the city of David. So he went above on the high hill above the city of David where Arona lived and offered to buy Arona's threshing floor where he would thresh the wheat. It would be a flat level place. And, and when Arona saw the king come and told him he wanted to buy his threshing floor, he said, oh no, I can't let you spend money. I give it to you, king. Here, you take my land. In fact, I will give you all of the items you need to make your offering. David said, no, no, I cannot make a sacrifice to the Lord that cost me nothing. It's a beautiful, a beautiful response of David's. If I'm giving to the God who spares nothing for me, I can't just take a gift that's been given and offer it to God. What is that? I need to feel it. It needs to be a sacrifice to let God know how much God means to me. Think about the significance of what David did. The threshing floor of Arona happened to be the very place called Mount Moriah where many years before that, Abraham was told to offer his son Isaac, which did not happen. The Lord spared him of that wanting to see his faith. It's the same spot where Solomon would build the temple. 
The temple that Peter was talking about and said, you're living stones, that's the place where God's presence abides. The same building, Jesus said, tear it down, and in three days, I will raise it up again, referring to himself, that in Jesus is that divine presence of God with whom anyone can meet God's presence and know God's love and know God's mercy. They can have a relationship with God. David was just making a sacrifice and God was using it for something for the rest of history to communicate God's presence to the world. When you focus on these loves and loving God, you come to the awareness that God never ever wastes a gift that God uses a sacrifice to do incredible things of far greater value than we can ever imagine. And all of the gifts translate in some form into human currency. I wanna invite you to take out, I didn't even pull mine out here with me, I gotta go back to get it. The card that hopefully you received in the mail that is an estimate of giving to the church for the coming year. It's our commitment card that we want to use this morning. And if you, if you didn't bring it with you, there's one in the pew rack where you're sitting. And you're simply invited to put an estimate of your financial commitment to the church. And in a moment, we'll have a prayer and then be able to bring our cards and place them in the baskets here in the front or for those in the balcony at the sides where you came into the balcony from. These represent a lot. These represent our income, they represent our values, they represent our loves, they represent what we love most. And when we place them in a basket, what we're saying is, I know that everything I have comes from God. Everything I've got, I've worked hard, I've studied hard, I've done a lot of things, yes, but I didn't really start from scratch. God blessed me with a foundation to use, and everything I do with my life and I have in my life comes from the hand of God, and I wanna say thanks to God, and I wanna invest in what God is doing. Just like you, if you are a budgeter and look at the cost of living and look at your income, you know that times are getting tougher and they are in the church. Just the cost of doing ministry, the utilities, the things we take to keep a building open have gone up about 10%. So yes, we hope to be able to receive a a 10% greater amount than the year before, but our hope is something even deeper. We hope we will get at least 10% more of these that there will be even more people who want to enter this level of commitment and response to God. If you've never done this before, I invite you to try it this morning, to fill out a commitment to support the church for the coming year. Just know this, we don't have pledge police in the church. No one's gonna knock on your door and say, hey, you made a pledge last year, we haven't gotten anything. Uh, you know, turn around, we're gonna haul you in. We don't do that. Nobody ever contacts you about that. We send you information from the church simply for your benefit to help you. But this is a personal act between you and God. I just invite you to try it. If you never have before, just try it. See what it does to help you in thinking about the most important commitments of life 
and that you would keep your commitment to God and the work of the church as a primary one. As you get ready to fill it out, I want you to think about the difference that the commitments made one year ago when we did this have had in the life of the church. We've got a short video to show you, and these pictures are all examples of ministry in 2022 that were the result of the commitments that people made. So as you get ready to fill out your card, take a look at the video. Love 
So what more might be happening next year that we have pictures to celebrate because of commitments we make today? So I'm gonna lead us in prayer, and then as we uh, join in our closing hymn, I invite you to stand and sing, but if you are a guest with us today, please do not feel awkward about this. This is for those who call St. Luke's their home. Now, we're not gonna stop you if you really wanna participate. We'd love to have your participation, and maybe you're ready to call this your home. So we hope you will fill out your card. Let me lead us in prayer, and then we'll get ready to close. Lord. We thank you for how much you love us. It's so much more than we can imagine. You love us eternally. You spare nothing for us. You give us your son. Help us to live life in such a way that gets above the clouds of the day-to-day confusion and struggles. To understand that the love of self and others and you is what life is all about. And through the commitments we pledge now, may you use these to do incredible things through a church that is open to everybody, a church that welcomes everyone, that, that lowers the bar, that opens the doors, because we believe all people are your children created in your image and they matter to you, and so they matter to us. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord who teaches us this kind of loving. Amen.